thank you for listening in to our prayer cast from AfriChrist Prayer Ministries, the ministry that reaches out to the busy person, the millennials, the professionals of all fields, and to the under church, uh, often unreached people. We believe the scripture that says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered of the Lord. We also believe, just like Jesus did, and the disciples, Paul and the prophets of old, that our prayers should have impact every time. Jesus never prayed a prayer that failed, and he never sent out a command that didn't achieve its intended purpose. He prayed and commanded with words of impact. The Bible says that God's word never comes back to him void. If our prayers are initiated of the Holy Spirit, as it says in Romans 8, then they will never come back void to us. Please thank you again for listening in. Uh, we would also appreciate if you recommend our app, Afri Christ, to your friends. This app can be downloaded from the Apple App Store and also the Google Play Store, and it reaches out to people like you. Thank you once again, and may God bless you as you're listening. Hello friends, thanks for tuning in or for downloading or clicking on whatever you did to listen to us. This is Sam Kawesa, your host today again. And I'd like to thank everybody, whether you're on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple or Google uh, Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn, Amazon, Samsung, or our newest one is Boomplay. Boomplay was, uh, originates from Nigeria but goes all over Africa and it helps people to download these uh, podcasts and store them on their phone and then listen later on. It helps, especially in uh, times of low data, they can just uh, pull it down and listen to it whenever they can. So we are very, very thankful to the Lord for that, for Boomplay. Boomplay is our newest one, but we are all over. You can just uh, click on uh, Google and put our name in, AfriChrist Podcasts, and you are going to see it populate on all over the internet. So just listen to us from wherever you can, and we are very, very grateful. Now, our episode today is called Fear Not, God is with us in every situation, part one. It's part one because I really believe we're going to have three parts, but we could be maybe just two. But this is a follow-up episode uh, of the um, last episode that we titled, What to Do with a Bad Medical Report. In that episode, we dealt with the impact of a bad report, not just for medical reasons, but even of other nature. Say it could be uh, all kinds of circumstances. It could be on the job. It could be about uh, your children. It could be about your marriage. It could be about anything, as long as it's a bad report. That uh, episode dealt with it with biblical examples on how to to receive and take that um, bad report. And we gave you examples of King David and King uh, Hezekiah, how they dealt with a bad report in their times, okay? So in this episode, we are going to use scripture again to guide you through some of the emotions that follow receiving such a report. Though not all uh, totally inclusive, uh, we will deal with the following emotions, okay? So there are so many other emotions that are possible, but this is what we are going to deal with. Anxiety, <clears throat> lonesomeness, which is different from loneliness, Number three, helplessness. Number four, humility. Number five, believing in the reality of God's assurance. Number six, actually feeling God's presence. 
Number seven, learning to let go and let God. Those are all possibilities that will happen when you receive a bad report. So I encourage you to listen to our podcast um, uh, that I was referring to, what happens when you receive a bad report. And then from there, you can come to this uh, next stage because this is helping you to navigate through this situation. So now let's quickly go through this because it's a lot of stuff to cover, but I'm going to try to cover it as much as possible in a short time so that you can get time to listen to it again. You can play it in your car. You can play it at home. You can play it anywhere so that you can go through this because these are serious things that happen to people. Now, after you learn how to deal with it, Use the scriptures that I give you because this is about prayer. It helps you to see how to uh, pray according to the word of God. When you pray according to the word of God, because the Bible says in in the book of Romans chapter 8 that we know not what to pray, but the Holy Spirit, through groans and moans that we may not even understand, helps us to pray. And so once you pray, based on the Holy Spirit prompting, then that means you're praying the word of God. And we know one thing, that God's word never comes back to him void. So when the Holy Spirit gives you a word to pray or a scripture to base your prayer upon, that means you're praying the word of God and it's going to come back to you and it will not be void of action, okay? So now the first one we're going to deal with, the first dimension is anxiety. Many times when you receive a bad report, whatever it is, there's anxiety that sets in and anxiety can lead to panic attacks and you may be you may end up doing things that you normally would not do. So now, what do you do when you get that rush of anxiety after you receive a bad report? The Bible in Proverbs 18.10 says that the name of the Lord is the strong tower into whom the righteous run and are saved. See, you don't just run into this tower, but you run into it and you're saved. So the name of the Lord is the strong tower. And we're going to see how you use the name of the Lord to be your strong tower in such a time as this. We are reminded that our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. However, the book of Hebrews again says that we are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to that again. We are the righteous of God, but who? In Christ Jesus. So once you are in Christ Jesus, once Jesus Christ envelops you when you make yourself available to him, then you are righteous before God. And so when you when you go to him, when you go to that strong tower, the name of the Lord being your strong tower, then everything that is going to happen after that will be really dealing with Jesus Christ. The enemy will be dealing with Jesus Christ. Your employer will be dealing with Jesus Christ. So the key is for you to be in Christ Jesus, okay? Now, in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, Paul says this about anxiety, you know, giving them advice. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through what? Christ Jesus. So here, look at this. 
You know, it says, first of all, in supplications, okay, by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Supplication means asking earnestly and humbly. This means that one understands that God is the only help they have, and they are humbled by their powerlessness. You realize that you're powerless, and there's that humility that comes to you, that you need someone stronger than you to deal with this situation. That someone is going to be God, because remember, we are the righteous of Christ, and we are running into this strong tower. Now, praying with thanksgiving is having the spirit of gratitude and hope in the Lord. When we come to God with gratitude and get hope, then we can deal with this situation, okay? The restoration of our hope is acknowledging that Jesus Christ is able and willing. When you know that he is able and willing, you get hope. You know, you get encouraged. So now this means that you know that he's your only help. Uh, I'll give you an example. In uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3, there was a leper who was uh, on the roadside and Jesus was passing by. And this leper says that, um, Lord, if you are willing, please heal me. Jesus said, I am willing. Remember we say that Jesus Christ is willing and able to heal us or to do what we are asking him for because he gives us hope that suppresses all human understanding. When you realize that Jesus Christ, the Lord God, walking as man, is willing to come to your aid, then your hope is lifted up. And you know what hope does? Hope restores the power of faith in us. I repeat that. Hope restores the power of faith in us. Because what happens is, when your faith is down, especially when you get bad reports, you need something to kind of fire up that faith again, the faith that you have in you. Because the Bible says that we all have the faith as small as a mustard seed. So now we want to bring it back up. We want it to germinate. And how do you do it? Hope restores it. How does that happen? What do I mean that hope restores that faith which had been suppressed by this situation and you feel like, oh no, what do I do? In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says this, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Remember we are trying to restore hope. Now, our faith is the substance of that hope that we need. Hope and faith are tied together. And we have seen that hope restores the faith. So faith is the substance of the things that we hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And we have seen up here that, you know, uh, gratitude restores our hope. You know, according to the uh, book of Philippians, that gratitude, when you come with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, for the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How does it guard your hearts and mind? Remember, the devil plays around with your mind so that it may mess up with your heart. Okay, now we are talking about the heart of hearts, not the heart, you know, that beats in you. Yeah, we thank God for that. But see, that's what the devil does. He plays around with your mind and so that your heart is broken, so that your spirit is broken. And when you have this faith restored by the hope that God gives you, the hope in Jesus Christ, because he is our hope, it becomes a substance 
of the things that you've been hoping for. That's where we win the enemy. So always remember, this faith that we have is the substance of the things that we hope for. And what are we hoping for at this point? We are hoping for restoration. What kind of restoration? Remember, we've had a bad report, something. We may be sick. We may, uh, we may even lose our job, whatever it may be. But we need that restoration. And we need to pray based upon the Word of God. And the way you pray um, according to the Word of God is you read it. And you see these scriptures. Jesus always gave us stories in terms of parables as he was ministering. For example, as the example we have given you of that man. He asked him that, uh, Lord, you can heal me if you are willing. So what did that do to the man? It gave him hope. What did the hope do? It's the substance of the things hoped for. That substance. What's the substance in his case? It was that healing from the leprosy. But he knew one thing, that with Jesus willing, he is going to be healed. When you do those kind of things, the Holy Spirit excites your faith. Okay, so this peace that surpasses all understanding, visible and invisible, guards our hearts and our minds through Christ, as Paul told the Philippians. The mind is where the devil plants confusion and doubt to break our heart. So just remember that. Look at the scriptures that I've given you in Philippians and read it again. You're going to see that really this is where the enemy was playing with my mind in this situation, whether it is sickness, on my job, whether it's about my child, whatever it may be. You know that the enemy, the first thing he will do is play with your mind to break your heart so that you will end up doing nothing, especially not pray. That's what he wants you to do. Okay, so now let's go to another emotion that comes with these um, kind of bad reports. The, the next one is uh, lonesomeness. Now, let, let us understand the difference between lonesomeness and loneliness, okay? Because that will help you understand that, you know, what I am dealing with is a situation that's a little bit higher than what we call loneliness. Loneliness is usually a transient condition that may lead to a more consequential emotional condition called lonesomeness, okay? It doesn't necessarily lead to that, but before you get to lonesomeness, you start with loneliness. And loneliness is generally temporarily though, and all it means is the absence of company, of family, or friends. But once it goes beyond, once you become a recluse, which the devil wants to do to you, to separate you from everybody else, for you to be fearful of, even mentioning your issue with your um, church, with your spiritual guide, with your friends, with your family, then the enemy puts you in a corner. And we're going to call that corner lonesomeness. Now, that is a more serious thing because that's when someone, they will withdraw from everything. They will uh, curl up in the fetal position many times. They will just stay in their room and not do anything. They won't want any lights on. They will not want to go anywhere. They may just come up to eat or maybe even not eat for a while. And that's when you are in that state of mind where it is lonesomeness, okay? Now, while uh, lonesomeness is a general lack of friends or people 
whose presence helps one to navigate life, the word of God shows us that we can overcome it because God says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So now what you do is follow the word of God. Listen to the word of God. When one is sick or is hurting, they need other people in their lives for counsel, assistance, and emotional support and comfort. David expressed that need of company and pointed us toward the Lord in Psalm 23. You know, when one goes through that valley and said death is staring at them, knowing that the Lord is their shepherd, strengthen them and they don't give up. That's when we need people. You need people when you get to that. Don't ever let yourself get into lonesomeness. Read Psalm 23. Pray based on those lines of Psalm 23. It's a short psalm, but it has helped a lot of people over thousands of years. Read it and then you'll see, hey, this is when I feel lonesome. I'll go to Psalm 23. I'll use that. God understands. You don't have to be deep in scripture. Just use those things that have worked. Let's read it. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay? The shadow of evil that David talked about in this psalm, no fear at all because he knew that the Lord was his shepherd. And that's what you do. When you are walking through this valley, this dark valley, I've gone through that dark valley, believe me, but you have to stick to the Lord. You have to know that he is around you. He's walking with you through this dark valley of the shadow of death. Every shadow around you is death. But guess what? God is so good. He wants us to move into his own shadow. Now, you see here, David is showing us that the enemy puts you in a shadow and he wants to cover you so that the only thing you see is darkness. But guess what? There's another shadow. If you turn to Psalm 91, you're going to see that there's another shadow all around you. This is a good shadow. This is the shadow of God. Let's read it. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is a secret place where the enemy cannot go. These are the secrets that the enemy cannot understand, will never see, cannot see, will not find you. God is hiding you. Remember the enemy was trying to hold you into the shadow of lonesomeness? This shadow now in Psalm 91 is the shadow of the Almighty. He cannot see it. It is a shadow in the sense that it covers you, that the enemy sees nothing but a shadow. You are under God. The Bible says, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the uh, arrow that flies by day. So you see, God is ready to protect you in his shadow. 
He is your friend. In fact, the Bible tells us that God regarded Moses and Abraham as friends. I believe I believe in the Bible these are the only two characters he referred to as friends. However, Jesus also referred to his disciples as friends in John 15, and we shall see that a little later on. In Exodus 33:11, we read that thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Then in Isaiah 41:8 he says, Abraham, my friend. He calls Abraham and says, Hey, Abraham, my friend. But we, like God, should value and choose friends wisely. In Proverbs 18, uh, 24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Okay, so in other words, choose your friend wisely so that in the time when your brother isn't available for whatever reason, there is a friend who sticks closer. It could be spiritually, it could be physical, whatever it is, you will know that I can approach that friend. Okay, in this proverb, God emphasized the relationship of a friend with reference to a closeness that implies closer than the biological relationship of a brother or sibling as we know it. You know, I used to struggle with this verse a lot. Is God saying that uh, my friend is closer than my siblings? No, that's not what he means. How can a friend be that close? So as we get older in this experience of life, it gets clearer and clearer that the circle of brethren expands beyond biological relationships. That verse, Proverbs 18.24, teaches us that a friend's brotherly love is a progressive bond of personal experiences. These experiences cumulatively add to eliminate the condition of lonesomeness. You understand that? These experiences cumulatively add up and they eliminate that condition of lonesomeness that we are talking about. Some people are born without siblings but are not lonesome. Some siblings pass away before others. Some siblings' relationships fail. Then some siblings are just not physically present or we are separated by distance. So what do you do? You need that friend closer than a brother. That's what it meant. It doesn't mean you don't have those people, don't need those people. It's that this person here, this relationship is not human blood relationship. It is God relationship. Okay? It's in these situations like these that a bad report can be devastating to a person. The meaning of friend from the book of Proverbs uh, also known as a book uh, of wisdom, becomes apparent at this time that we need a friend who sticks closer than a brother or sister or a relative. That's what that scripture means. And also, it's interesting to note that in John 15, verse 14 through 15, Jesus says this, there has to be an attitudinal change. This is what he told them. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. A servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have and I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. Here Jesus explains that a friend is someone you reveal deep things about you. He revealed all that he heard from the God the Father to them. That way they could carry on this ministry which we are carrying on ourselves today. And they could live 
with this ministry, with this friendship, even after he's gone. Okay, here Jesus shows us that a true legacy is what you leave in people so that they may themselves have a life that gives, you know, gives to others, a life that overflows, not just a life to exist. A wise woman once said this, her name is Tasha Rubadiri. She said, legacy is not what you leave for people, but what you leave in them. See, because what you leave in them, it's within them. Remember Jesus says that, if I am in you and you in me, that kind of thing, my father is in me, that's legacy. Then uh, finally, let's deal with the emotion of helplessness. In First uh, Chronicles chapter 28, verse 20, it says this, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And that's how God is. He will not leave us nor forsake us. So regardless of what has come your way, as long as you have not finished your assignment, God is there with you. Remember Jesus says, it is finished. Tell it is die. It's done. If you haven't reached that point and deep inside of you, you know, then you know God is still around. Look for him. Because he said in the Bible that in Jeremiah 29, 11, you seek me, you will find me. He is not hiding. Yes, we do need to do, to do some seeking, but he will not hide from you. He is not played high, uh, playing hide and seek with you. Here, Jesus explains, a friend is someone you reveal this deep thing about you. Since you have revealed this deep thing about you, he knows Jesus, God, the Father, is there for you. He will be there. Do not be dismayed. And David was telling his son, you know, Solomon, do not be dismayed. You see, we may feel helpless if we perceive, uh, true or not though, that people around us are not able to, or are not capable of doing what they are assigned to do. So we may feel helpless. It's not so with God. It may also be that people around us are those or those that we have placed our trust in just don't come through. Spouses may feel helpless and betrayed when those that uh, they raise their hands with in marriage and swore until death do us part come short of their vows, even to the point of divorce. Prophet Elisha's assistant felt helpless, surrounded by a strong Assyrian army of charioteers. You know, Elisha prayed that the Lord may open his eyes his, in, in the spiritual realm. And when, this spiritual, and when his spiritual eyes were opened, he was now able to see a full armed defense from the Lord protecting them. Not only were they soldiers in chariots, but they had fire on their chariots. That's how God is. He is all around you. Don't feel helpless. Look what happened in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15 to 17. When the servant of the man of God got up early next morning and went outside, there were uh, troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with 
horses and chariots of fire. My friend, look up. Pray. Look up to the hillside of of your issue. And you're going to see chariots of fire, whatever it is. Many times when people are sick and they say, Lord, heal me, heal me. And it's fine. But you know what I tell them? It's the same God who created the doctors, the medicines, the scientists who uh, invented the medicines, the pharmacists, everybody. So now you have all these resources he has given you. Pray for wisdom. Pray that the Lord may open the eyes of your understanding. That you may see the right doctor. The doctor may see the right solution. Everything is about opening our eyes so that we know that the chariots around us are chariots of fire. They are more powerful than those of the devil. Jesus also taught us by example when his time of dire need, he chose three of his remaining disciples that he trusted, minus Judas of course, to go and pray with him in the garden of Gethsemane. That's in Mark uh, 14, 32 through 42. However, they also went to sleep. They went to sleep on him. But guess what? He did not let lonesomeness cause him to condemn them, nor to give in to Satan. And that's what we need to do. You know, like Prophet Elisha, Jesus knew that God's resources were his resources. Jesus knew that God would never leave him nor forsake him. Remember he says, not my will but yours be done. When we say to God, not my will but yours be done. Any circumstance around us, God will guide us in wisdom. He will open the eyes of our understanding. We shall see the chariots of fire surrounding us. And whatever that chariot of fire is for you in your situation... Just open your spiritual eyes. God is ready to help you. So, when we are faced with humanly insurmountable difficulties, sicknesses, or any attacks of any kind of, as we have seen, know that God operates from a higher, mostly unseen line of attack for your defense and your protection. Isaiah fifty-nine nineteen says this, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. That's our God. That's our God. So now we've dealt with these three things. I want you to listen to this again and try to get as much as you can in spirit. Pray to the Lord that he will open the eyes of your understanding, that you will see what to do. God is for you. So in the name of Jesus, let us pray that he may open the eyes of our understanding, that he may help us to overcome these emotions of fear, helplessness, anxiety. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, thanking you for your goodness and mercy. And Father, as we continue with this series, Father, I am asking you, Father, that you may help my brother, sister out there, whatever the condition and the issues that they are having, that you will help them to see that those that are around him to protect them are much bigger and much stronger. They are chariots of fire while the enemy just has chariots. Whatever the chariots is to these people, Lord, it could be the job, it could be whatever it is. I don't want to even try to guess it. 
help them, guide them, lead them. Help us, Father, to understand that you love us much more than we could ever imagine or think. That, Lord, Heavenly Father, you are there to protect us, even as David has shown us in Psalm 23, that this shadow that we are walking through suddenly turns into the shadow of God in Psalm 91 for everyone. Cover them with your feathers, Father. Even as they say, Father, let people pray based upon your word, not upon what they think or the circumstances before them. Because, Father, we all face those things because your word says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord saves them through each one of them. So, Father, save us from our own mind being messed up by the enemy through the ideas that don't match with your word. Instead, match us with your word that we may pray with impact that, Lord, Heavenly Father, regardless of what circumstances that we may face, regardless of what report that we receive, that, Lord, Heavenly Father, we shall fear not, even as David told his son Solomon, fear not, for the Lord our God is with us. In the name of Jesus, we praise you, we thank you, now and forever. Amen. So, my friend, I encourage you to read the Word of God. I encourage you to look through these scriptures that I've given you. And I encourage you to pray, to believe that this God that we serve is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's all over. He's omnipotent. He can do anything. Nothing is too difficult for him. In the name of Jesus. Be blessed. Pass on our podcast to other people. It may be for somebody else that you listen to this for. God bless you. Love you. Thank you for uh, your support. Amen. This is Sam Kawesa signing off and wishing you the best. God bless you. Love you.